Welcome to Step Monsters, a podcast all about the highs and lows of step parenthood. I'm Elise and this is Bailey. We're two friends bonded by this crazy stepmom world. All right, everyone. Welcome back. So excited to have everyone back. Thank you for all of your patience as we edited the last few episodes and took a minor hiatus, but we're back and we're super excited today to welcome a guest on our podcast, Callie. She has really interesting situations. She has an R's baby. She is a stepmom. She has a relationship with her husband's ex-wife that's very interesting that I cannot wait for her to dig into. And we also are going to do a little bit of Q&A. Earlier this week, we had asked you to submit questions on Instagram that you wanted us to answer real time. So we're going to do that and we're going to do our best to get this episode edited and out so that you don't forget about the questions that you asked. But if you did ask us a question on Instagram earlier this week, you'll get to hear that answer tonight. Yeah. And we just want to remind you guys, one of the main reasons that we started this podcast was to help other people who are in interesting co-parenting dynamics. And to hear from you guys on Instagram has been fantastic. And we love being able to give advice. And also we have our stepmonster podcast at gmail.com. Feel free to reach out to us there with any questions or advice that you're looking for. And then we started offering Oh, I don't know, a month ago, coaching sessions where you can have a one-on-one with either Bailey or myself, Elise, and we can give you some really pointed advice on things that you're dealing with and, and dive in and get super specific and keep us posted. If there's anything that we can do to help, that's exactly what we're here for. So we love hearing from you guys. Indeed. So welcome, Callie. We're super excited to have you. We love being able to add different dynamics and different perspectives to our podcast. So I would love if you could just tell us and our listeners a little bit about yourself. I mean, for everybody that knows too, this is my first time meeting Kelly, so I actually legitimately know nothing. So if it feels Q&A, which I know we've gotten feedback on before, uh, it's because it is and because Elise and I both are genuinely curious. So I, w- I want to hear everything about you. Tell tell us about your, your stepmom sitch. All right. Well, thank you first for having me. I'm very um, excited to be on the podcast and to share my story. Uh, I have been a stepmom for almost three years. I am a stepmom to four children and have one of my own. So we have a very busy house 50% of the time and a very child infant run house the other 50% of the time. Um, And yeah, I mean, my situation over the last three years has been very, very transitional for myself, but just in and of itself, because it started one way and it's very different today. So that is something I hope to to be able to share with you all. Well, just to give a little background. So Callie and I met through a mutual friend out at dinner a month and a half ago. I think I said this on the last podcast, ever since I created with Bailey this podcast, it's crazy how many stepmoms I've met. So again, I don't think when we went to dinner, I had asked you this question, but how did you and your husband meet? We met through a mutual friend. Um, I actually was married once before, did not have any kids. And so I had a financial planner helping me. And he mentioned my now husband and also mentioned me to him. Um, My husband sought me out and found me on Facebook. So I think technically we met online, but (laughs) after word of mouth through a friend. Yeah, fun. And then what was your dating process like? And at what point did you meet the kids? What did that look like? Especially with there being four of them. Yeah. Uh, so we dated for exactly one year before we got engaged. He had been divorced a lot longer than I. So he was um, 
ready to get serious. I think we both knew right away, but for me, it was just kind of like a fear of jumping right into another serious relationship, but also wanting to, because I met him when I was 32. So, I mean, that's not ancient or anything like that, but I knew I wanted to have children. So, um, and knowing the chemistry that we had right away, things did move quickly. Uh, Their parenting agreement did state that he could not introduce me to the children or any woman to the children for six months. Um, I did meet them just slightly before that. He wanted me to meet them prior to that time period, but we spoke and I I personally took the, p- the position that if he wasn't comfortable telling the mom that I was going to be meeting the kids, that I wasn't comfortable with it. And I hadn't even met her at that point. But for me, I just didn't want to start the relationship with a bunch of lies. So we waited, and I think given the fact that there were four of them, it was very important for me, even six months in, because we were so serious, to meet them because it's a big deal. I didn't have any kids at that point, and so for me, it was going from like single girl in the city of Chicago to Instamami, and I really needed to navigate that early on so that I wasn't going in blind. Well, and we talked about this on the podcast when we brought the dads on. They, You don't say it outright, but it's really, if you don't get along with the kids, that's a deal breaker. Like that totally changes everything. And so it's important. And so how you met the kids, mm-hmm. obviously it went well, and then you guys ended up getting married. What was your relationship like to start with? Did you communicate with the ex-wife? Has it shifted over the years? What does that dynamic look like between all of you and... Um, what's her story? So is she remarried or what does that look like? Yeah. So when I first met the kids, they were very young. Uh, they're twin boys. They were three at the time that I met them. And then there, there were girls and they were five and six. So when I met them, you know, to your point of, in saying, you need to know if you're going to get along with the kids, it was a little bit different because do you get along with the three-year-old or not get along with the three? What is that conversation? Exactly. It's kind of more. Do you like the same color as me? (laughs) Yeah. What's your favorite color? Yes. That's the conversation. So I have to say, first and foremost, before I go forward, the kids are amazing. They have been so loving to me from the beginning. They were loving and still are to my family, my parents. They call them Nana and Papa from day one. Um, And they could be resentful and they just never have been. And more importantly, they love my daughter more than anything. And she loves them more than anything. So I think that having an R baby has been actually very, very life-changing for all of us. Not only because I see the love between the kids, but now I feel that love towards a kid or towards a child. Whereas before, you know, you can take on four or 20 kids as your stepkids and say that you're going to love them like they're your own, but you never really know what that means until you have your own. So having my own child now has really deepened my love for them because I now in situations can picture well, what if someone did this to my child and now and I I am more and more feeling like th- that's being done to my child even though it's one of my stepkids. So, you know, they've been amazing from the beginning. Um as far as their mom goes, it was definitely difficult at first because the kids were so young and they were divorced when the the boys were uh, like one year old. Um, I think there was an underlying dynamic at first that their mother was maybe, and maybe even he was, there was always that option of, well, we have four kids. 
will we get back together? Is this impossible to like parent four children by yourself? And so when I came into the picture, at least from what I can gather, and I can't speak for her, but um, I think I was the first person that he dated that was like potential of being something serious. And I think she saw that right away. Um, so she was very, I think, threatened at first and understandably so you have four kids with this man. And now there's this woman coming in. Who is she? How should right. I treat my kids? Right. And so it was it was definitely difficult. Um, if nothing else, she she would try to rock the boat as much as possible. And I it was a test for our relationship. I can still remember one time after one of the kids sporting events, he and I went out to dinner and he could tell I was being quiet. And I, honestly, I was just thinking, I, I'm not sure I can handle this. And it wasn't even about the kid. It was about their mom. Right. Like I if I marry this man, I'm marrying this woman. She is going to be in my life forever and she's not nice to me. And I just wasn't sure if that was something I was willing to do. Needless to say, we continued dating and ultimately ended up getting engaged. And, you know, I didn't expect her to take me seriously while I was his girlfriend. I mean, who, why would she? I'm his girlfriend. I don't have a say. And I, I tried to respect that even though she was nasty to me. But once we got engaged, I reached out to her and I said, you know, we need to get coffee. And she went, you know, I give her a lot of credit. We met up and... You know, my messaging to her was kind of like, this is our lives, right? This is, this is what it is. And they got divorced before I even met him, two and a half years before I met him. And so, you know, at that point, it was kind of like, are we going to make our lives miserable or are we just going to accept it for what it is? Because I'm willing to work for, with you if you're willing to work with me. And um, she, honestly, I give her credit. She was receptive, but it didn't correlate immediately. You know, it didn't flow into our lives starting from that very conversation. Fast forward to now, we have uh, what I think is a very, I don't even know what the word is because I don't want to use the word strange because it's good, but we have a very good co-parenting relationship and I co-parent with her more than my husband does. Uh, and there are times that I try to take a step back and say, this is not my job. You know, I married a man with four kids and an ex-wife, but I didn't sign up to be like a mediator or <laughs> like, yeah, like instead yeah. of paying a mediator, they're basically like, hey, can you tell him this? Can you do this? Right. And it is like that a lot, if I'm being honest. Um, but when I take a step back, they just don't communicate well with each other. Hence the fact that they're divorced. Right. And so she and I, we tend to, to get along pretty well. And, you know, I, I tell my friends and my family and my husband, you know, if it were a different life, I'm fairly certain that she and I would be really good friends. It's just, I think what I struggle with now is that she's still my husband's ex-wife. Right. And so today on the way to this podcast, I got a text from her with pictures from our second, the, the youngest daughter. So she's nine now. Um, at soccer practice, you know? And so we do that. And when the kids are with us, I'll send her pictures, even if it's at my family's house. So we share those things. And I think that that's very healthy, but there are aspects of being so close to your husband's ex-wife that I times struggle with, right? Like I, I feel like there are boundaries that I'm trying to set that aren't always easy to follow in that respect. Um, yeah. Because I do like her. 
what are some of those boundaries that you set? Because this is a topic that we get asked about a lot. I mean, there are, I think, a lot of stepmoms in your similar situation. Actually, I was just messaging with one on our Instagram this morning. She was saying something similar. I feel like I'm man in the middle. I feel like I'm the person that always has to be the keep the peace person because you, Mm -hmm. like you just said, you know they don't communicate well. There's a reason they're divorced. And she's like, "I'm, I'm starting to feel resentful for that. And I don't know how to set my boundaries and I don't know where where is too far. Do I invite her over for a glass of wine? Do I hang out with her? Do I not? And how do I not be resentful for being that mediator? I, like, how do you deal with that? And what are some of the boundaries that you set for yourself? So I'm not always perfect. And I, I do get upset with myself because I know where I want the relationship to kind of stand. And I find myself at times getting sucked into being like friends with her. And it's not that I don't want to be friends with her. I really do enjoy like our communication and and we'll joke about like our uh, Zoom meetings at work. We'll send each other pictures of people. You know, there's always the people on Zoom that are like, and so we'll take a picture and, and send it to each other. So it's fun. I, I enjoy the banter. But when it comes to my husband, I think that's the that is the most important boundary for me. Um, first, I don't feel like we need to be one big happy family. I enjoy the fact that we get along and I think it's important for the kids and I can see it in their faces and in their demeanor when they are around us and we're all getting along. But I don't think that it's a realistic expectation for them to think that we're going to be spending like Christmases together. Uh, We do birthdays together, which I think is fine. But, you know, I just I want to make sure that I have a life with my husband that is, quote unquote, normal, right? Like we have our own family. And yes, our family consists of children that belong to her. I mean, they're her biological children, but there still has to be that separation between households. And we even share a nanny. So, and she's amazing. She she never talks to me about her and she tells me she doesn't talk to her about me. And I think that's important. But so as far as setting the boundary for myself, I try to always consciously like make sure that my communication to her is clear in that I'm only going to go so far. So if she wants to talk to me about a fight that they're having, you know, I do get to my point where my messaging to her is, it doesn't matter if my husband is super wrong. I'm on his side. He's your husband. You're always going to have right, his back. Right. And so that boundary is important. And and also just making sure that she understands, like, I want to be your friend. But if you need to vent about my husband, call a friend, call your sister, call your mom. I'm not the right person. And so that's the only thing I feel at times tends to get cause me friction and, and mental strife because I, I don't want to be in that position to have to, like, make her feel better about something that my husband may or may not have said, even if he's wrong. Well, I think that would, if you said something that upset him, that would be such a dagger for him. And he would yeah. feel like that was such a intrusion of his privacy and like you as his wife, you have to have that boundary. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I I agree. I don't have a direct line of communication with my husband's ex-wife. We do birthday dinners also together, but we don't maybe do Vegas. <laughs> Definitely not Vegas. We did discuss this and my stepdaughter is on board with no joint 21st birthday in Vegas. Thank you, Jesus. Okay, she must have listened to our last podcast. <laughs> <I know. laughs> but anyways, I what I was saying is I 
I feel like it's easy for me to set those boundaries because I don't have a direct line of communication with my husband's ex-wife. And when we do communicate on occasion, the biggest time that we ever communicated the most was coordinating my stepdaughter's high school graduation party. And there were comments that she had made while she was at my house and we were prepping and we were decorating about my husband. And it was just like a little passive aggressive comments there. Like he had forgotten something and she was like, oh yeah, that seems, seems about right. And just like make a little jab at him here and there, and I never acknowledged them. I, of course, would have said something if I felt she had gone above and beyond and and whatever she was saying, but I definitely noticed little jabs in there, and I'm like, I wonder what she would have done if I would have, like, taken the bone and furthered that discussion, but at no point in time am I going to shit talk my husband with you. Like, that's just not not a thing that should happen in any relationship, and especially not with his ex-wife. Absolutely Okay, I cannot imagine if one of my ex-boyfriends walked into my house and was like, oh, I'm not shocked that Elise is still doing this. And my husband was like, I know, right? Like, doesn't that, didn't that annoy you? I would just be like, what am I in the Bermuda Triangle? What is happening? Yeah. In what world is that okay? None. Absolutely not. (laughs) I'm so annoyed. Well, and I don't know about you guys, but one thing I struggle with with my husband is he's like, you signed up for this. You knew you were marrying a man with an ex-wife. But come on, even for one, if he had to be around one of my ex-boyfriends for even one afternoon, he would be beside himself. So I have said the same thing to my husband. Like, can you imagine having to deal with one of my ex-boyfriends? Would Like, how much would you enjoy that? And having to have a forced relationship with them. I mean, that's so funny. I hear a lot of dads say that, like, you knew what you were getting into. And I think the resounding consensus among all of our stepmoms is like, you never actually know what you're getting into. There is no way to adequately prepare for the feelings that come with being a stepmom, the feelings with co-parenting, the feelings especially with having an ours baby and stepkids, there's so much more to tiptoe around almost. It's terrifying. And you you never really know what that's going to feel like until you're in the situation. And I think it's funny when you said earlier on that you didn't realize that when you married your husband, you were also essentially marrying his ex-wife because we've said that in several episodes. I mean, you they're with you forever. So long as you have your stepkids, you have his ex-wife. And doesn't matter if they're 18. It doesn't matter if they're young, small children. I mean, they're, they're going to be around and that's just kind of inevitable. So I like the approach that you took with extending an olive branch and offering coffee. And I'm glad she took you up on that and just saying like, listen, we're in this together, whether you like it or not. I'm here whether you like it or not. And it would be easier if we could just find a way to coexist and co-parent because that's what's best for the kids. And I wish there were more bio moms that were open to that type of dialogue. Well, that's a perfect segue into something that I think would be great for Callie to talk about and is an interesting dynamic that she brings to the podcast that we've not had before, which is her husband's ex-wife is also a stepmom now at this point. So how has that shifted your dynamic between all of you guys co-parenting? Um, so she became a stepmom officially. She married her husband a year ago. And uh, it's been amazing because she has, I think in so many words, she's acknowledged to me that she's recognizing the difficulty that I, you know, endured in committing to my husband, notwithstanding the fact that all, you know, all these kids had a mom that didn't want me in the picture. 
And unfortunately for her, her situation is not great. Uh, and the ex-wife is still very, she's remarried, but she's still very adamant about creating as much problem as she possibly can. And so it has certainly changed the dynamic because I feel that my husband's ex-wife now has like a respect for my situation because she's in it. But also, you know, she reaches out to me a lot about how to handle certain situations because I think both of us, honestly, are very proud of the ground that we've covered and where we stand now, I don't think it's possible for everyone. You know, I don't think, I think it takes both people wanting to have that peace, right? I remember saying to her at some point, like, don't you want peace in your life? Like, why all this turmoil? And I really think that she took that to heart. And now she's always saying to me, like, I just, this woman obviously doesn't want peace. And, you know, I feel for her, and she, I've become like a sounding board to her. So I think that has certainly strengthened our relationship because we have something to talk about, kind of like this podcast. She can relate now, but yeah, it's definitely a, a, an interesting dynamic that's so crazy perspective is everything and if any bio moms are listening to this that's all we want we just want peace i mean why is any human why would you not want peace in your life why would you choose turmoil and choose unhappiness and choose to be angry and resentful i mean sure there are plenty of bio moms that are justified in their angst towards their ex-husbands but when you remove yourself and your own feelings from it and you're you're thinking about what's best for my kids because really none of this is about any of us it's about the kids and how do we create the most stable and most loving environment for them and if you think for one second that kids don't pick up on that kind of shitty energy we are so far mistaken my husband and i talked about that because he you know still deals with some guilt from being divorced and wonders like was that really the right thing and we talk about kids felt the energy in that house before he was divorced and my stepdaughter says that to this day she's like i'm glad you guys got divorced you guys were miserable <laughs> and she was only like 10 11 at that time so they pick up on that kind of stuff and they if they don't hear it directly, they see it and they feel it. And I think it's so important for everybody to try to want peace. Why would you not want that? I just, I have a hard time relating to that, but I don't have an ex-husband. So I guess my perspective is still skewed. <laughs> Can you imagine every time we're in a stressful situation, I'm like, am I going to have a heart attack? Like, am I going to get heart disease because of all the stress <laughs> in my life? I got to find a way to like have an outlet. And so I love this and I love connecting with all of these different ladies. And honestly, some dads have reached out, which is super fun and always an interesting perspective because there's a lot of women in our group, but handful of men. Agreed. Uh, Kelly, I have a couple questions for you from Instagram that I think are in line with what we've been talking about. Um, one of them, like her question is, am I always going to want to confront the bio mom until I actually burst and end up doing it? So a lot of us have this desire to want to either tell them how we feel or extend an olive branch similar to how you did. So would you recommend anyone trying to do that? Or how how does someone get over that feeling? If that's not an option, how do they learn to let that go from your perspective? I want to add to that before you answer. If 
if they do extend the olive branch, I think the way that you did it was very tactful and meaningful. And so what were some things that you thought about before that conversation and things that you wanted to say that would be productive and not harmful? So before that conversation, I think my thought going into it was selfish. I I didn't want to continue my life going the way we were going. I didn't want to constantly feel anxious when she was dropping the kids off, picking the kids up, have all these confrontations. And so I am I am a confrontational person, I think tactfully. I'm I'm pretty candid. And so I thought, what the heck? I might as well just put it out on the table, but not I didn't want to alienate her or make her feel bad. I mean, that wouldn't have accomplished the goal I was trying to accomplish. It was more hey, you know, we're both women here. We have to raise these kids together now. I'm officially engaged to him. And, you know, honestly, I think my underlying messaging without saying it outright was like, I'm going to be around your kids 50% of the time and they're going to be adults someday. They're going to be teenagers someday. And so it's in all of our best interest to have these kids look at us respectfully rather than acting like children ourselves. You know, and so I do think that if the situation presents itself that someone can extend the olive branch, I think that's better than any sort of negative confrontation. And I'll tell you guys, I'm kind of a nerd. Like I read and research stuff that I probably don't even need to research. But in this situation, I read a lot of books and what I I think I took mostly from them and going into making the commitment to marry my husband is just empathy. You know, I mean, just try to put yourself in the other person's shoes. I can't imagine, you know, I have one child and I'm not saying that the feelings are stronger because she had four, but there's a much more like it's a large family dynamic, right? And not only did that disappear for her, but now she sees another woman coming in. And of course, there's that inherent fear that this person's taking their place somehow. And so I just tried to keep that in mind. I can't imagine being in that situation with my daughter. Um, well, and I so... think the piece of what you think is going to be your life and you think of what your family dynamic is going to look like. And it doesn't matter what happens when that gets torn apart. That's sad. And mm-hmm. I think when another person is brought into the mix, it's a constant reminder of you see it from the outside of what that person has. And that could have been what I had. Why did that not work out? And it's a hard pill to swallow, right? And, you know, I, I we have our son and I think about that as well, having him what would it look like if something happened and then my husband got remarried and how would I navigate that? And I think with my role as a stepmom, I have a differing opinion on how that would play out, but it's hard. It's hard when you have a vision for your life and things change. And again, you have to be empathetic. Absolutely. But if that works both ways, for right. sure. Absolutely. I think the bio moms have just as much of a responsibility. I think even more so, I mean, I'm not trying to be critical, but it's your kids. Their well-being should be the most important thing to you. And so having them be in a house that is peaceful and and seemingly loving, I mean, just pretend for their sake, you know, it's so much better than creating conflict for no reason. Yeah, that just adds stress to everyone. And then everyone's all crazy. I totally agree. Um, another question that we got, which is super funny because I I recall earlier in the episode you talking about how your parents embraced your stepkids pretty early on and, and your stepkids embraced your parents as well. But one of the questions was actually, I'm curious how your own families treat your stepkids, especially in terms of gifts at holidays, family pictures, etc. My, you know, I, I have to give credit where credit's due. My mom is like an angel on this earth. 
And she is just the type of person that really just, she's so loving. And my dad was very open to the kids as well. Um, but the kids are so loving that it was like almost impossible for my parents to not embrace them. My sister has three kids of her own and they were told right away, these are your cousins. Um, and so, you know, I think I'm blessed with a family that supported me in my decision. I don't think that's always the case, unfortunately. Uh, but I think that it's important that people recognize them as your children. They are my children. Um, they're not my biological children, but I love them. And I'm going to do whatever I can to make sure that they're okay. That doesn't mean I'm going to buy them like a Mercedes when they're 16, right? Like I, I just want them to have what they need. And so when it comes to families, I feel like as a stepmom, it's important that our messaging to our family is not, oh, these kids are my husband's kids and they're annoying, um, but more so like, these are my kids right. and this is a decision I've made. It was similar for us because myself and then I have two siblings, none of us had kids. And so when my husband and I, even when we were dating, but then, you know, of course, when I got married, my mom used to always, when we were little, make these little like travel packages for us. She was so excited to be able to do stuff like that again. And like the, the kids made a nickname for her. She became this really big part of their life early on when they were younger. And I just think that's so special to be able to have that. And I think, again, my mom's like total saint as well. And it was just really cute to see. And I think it bonded my connection with my family and the mm -hmm. fact that they embraced the choices that I made. And even though maybe they knew that it would be hard for me and still they were willing to love the kids just the way that I did, um, even though they weren't our DNA. Yeah, agreed. My parents did the same thing. And it took a while for, I think, the kids to get more comfortable around my parents as extended family and to be as open and weird with them as they are with us. And that's <laughs> totally flown out the window now. And they actually joke around with both my parents and call them grandma and grandpa, but it, they're not really forced to call them anything. But I would say I don't have kids of my own, so we don't, we don't have a baby together. So these are the only grandkids that exist for my mom right now. And she's surely embraced inviting them to everything. I mean, they're invited to family functions, to family photos, to holidays, just as any other kids would be that were mine. And, you know, we have weird holiday schedules with the kids anyways right now. So if they're with us, then they're wherever we are during the holidays. And if we're going to do family pictures, I don't want to do family pictures without them. They're part of my family. So we've really tried to just eliminate the idea that biology defines family. And my parents have also thankfully embraced that. I, I would imagine it would be really difficult, not just for me, but for the kids if they didn't. So this reminds me that when you posted the questions that people might have on our Instagram page, your stepdaughter wrote and said, who is your favorite child? <laughs> She's very curious. She wrote, is she my favorite stepdaughter? And I replied, oh, that's she true. absolutely is my favorite stepdaughter. And only stepdaughter, but she's <laughs> she's definitely my favorite. I'm sure she'll listen to this episode since she listens to all of them. And yes, pat you yourself are, on the back, girl. <laughs> you are my favorite stepdaughter. You are wonderful, and you are amazing, and I'm thankful for you. <laughs> <laughs> Love it. Um, a couple other questions. So there's actually three questions on here that deal with resentment, which is kind of something that I had asked a little bit earlier on. Some of it is, you know, how do I deal with resentment towards my partner? whether or not it's because of the role that you're having to play in your home as 
essentially a mom or the role you're having to play as a mediator between he and his ex-wife or whatever other reason, how do you, and I guess Elise too, if you've dealt with any feelings of resentment, like how do you handle that? And how do you, how do you kind of get through it? I think everyone's pretty clear with what my best coping mechanism is, which is to always remind myself that, is this going to matter five years, five months, five days? But to be more specific, I think I just don't let things, I don't try, I don't take things personally. So even if it feels personal, I have to remember that I get to decide how I feel about things and I can let things come between me and my husband. But at the end of the day, like he probably feels just as much out of control as I do. And so I try to be compassionate with him and understand that there's things that like, it's hard for him too. And they're actually his kids. So he probably feels it more than I do as much as I want to be compassionate and love them the same way that he does. It's, it's just different in that regard. But what do you think, Kelly? So I think that my husband, although he thinks that he hides it, I think that there's an inherent fear that he has that I won't, won't accept his kids or like my family won't accept his kids. And so I think I learned early on that unfortunately we just can't always vent to them. You know what I'm saying? It just is not healthy for our relationship with our significant other to vent to them about the resentment that we feel because like to your point, I think it's 10 times heavier on their shoulders than it is on ours. And one thing I've noticed, and it took me a long time to take you know ownership of this, when I start feeling resentful, I would say 75 to 90% of the time, it's my own fault. I'm taking on too much, but I am a self-admitted kind of control freak. So when it comes to like logistics with the kids or the sports that they're involved in or how we're splitting the price of certain things, I find myself just like burying myself with it. And then I get angry. Like this is not my job, but I took on that job. And so I feel that I need to remind myself that it's okay for me every once in a while to say, I'm not doing it. I'm not going to pick someone up from practice. I'm not going to do this. And it's not because I don't want to or that I don't love the kids. It's because I need to keep myself whole in order to be a good stepmom and a good wife. And there's just too much going on. And I, I find myself, again, just diving right in. And I, I need to take that step back and think about myself sometimes. I'm so glad you said that. And I mean, you're spot on. And I had said to the girl that was messaging us this morning about her feelings of resentment. I'm like, you got to disengage, girl, because like you, I am also a self-admitted total control freak. And when I did start feeling resentment was for exactly the same reasons that you just described. And I'm like, wait a minute, I did this to myself. I did this to myself because this is my personality. And number one, I know I can't do this and I want to be helpful. That's just in my nature. I want to try to help in every scenario possible. But the other piece was, well, if I insert my opinion or if I do the picking up or if I do the planning here, then it'll be done the way that I want it to be done. But you're right. That does create some sort of angst. And I was giving advice to our follower this morning. I'm like, just let it go. you got to disengage. You cannot be involved in every single conversation. And I even told her, I'm like, I asked my husband at one point, like, I don't even know all the details. Just tell me the things that involve my house, involve our schedule or involve me. And outside of that, like, I don't really need to know every single little detail. 
And that really has helped me let go of some of my own control issues and has also coincidentally helped the resentment feeling. So I, I totally agree with what you're saying there. I think even with parents who are in intact families co-parenting, you're always going to have something to that effect, right? There's going to be times where you resent the other person because they're not parenting the exact same way that you would because no one is the exact same person. So I think it's harder for us because we're not the biological parent, but I don't think that parents in normal family dynamics, or I won't say normal, because even if you're still married, sometimes that's a complete shit show, but still deal with that. Agreed. This one is interesting. So this next one is, what have you learned or unlearned about interacting with a high conflict bio mom or in a high conflict situation? So I'm going to kick this one off because I've I really have been fairly lucky and haven't really dealt with anything majorly high conflict. There were surely times where, same as you, Callie, when we were dating and I was just the girlfriend, there were mucho feelings of just like, get off my lawn. Like, these are my kids and that's, this is my life. And uh, you have your 12 gauge shotgun. You're like, (laughs) (laughs) no, but I bet if she had one, she probably would have been there. Um, But when we got married and, you know, I obviously had the official title as a stepmom, it's surely gotten better over the years. And that's just a testament to all of us realizing, like, it's just not worth it. Like, let's just be cordial. And my youngest stepkid, my stepson, is like a year and a month from being 18. So we're like almost at the the finish line of the kid years where things will change significantly. Um, So I've been pretty lucky in that. But... I would love to know from either of you, what have you learned when you've dealt with high conflict situations? I'll go first because, and I think I was telling you, Kelly, maybe not. I did, today I had this work function where we had to like, the whole company went and we talked about communication and in our departmental communication, we're having some issues. So they brought in, we had to all do like the DISC assessment. And it was really interesting as a step parent. And even when I look at professionally, when I'm dealing with situations of conflict, I think it's so important that it doesn't matter which side of the aisle you're on. Everyone has a different communication style. And if you can find common ground or try to pivot the way that you're communicating to be more effective based on the other person's communication style, and especially if there's conflict, the more that you can do to lessen that because you have no control over what that person's doing. You can't control them. Just accept that. Get over it. Don't try to manipulate the situation. Don't try to do more than what you need to do because you just, that's the bottom line of that. But you have to be so cognizant of what you're saying and how you're acting and how that could be perceived by the other person. Because maybe there is something that you're doing in your communication style that they deem as aggressive or that they have a different perception on. So I think, again, back to Callie's empathy piece that even if you don't think it's you, just examine Take, take some time every once in a while to just look at the whole situation and go, where is it? And that, even if that's just to get you back on track to go, okay, it's not me, then do that. And um, I think just keep yourself in check. I totally agree. Um, I think that being a stepmom has taught me to use the three-second rule. How about the two-day rule? <laughs> yeah, same same theory. Uh, it, just stop, right? And don't react because so many times it dissipates itself. You know what I'm saying? Like, 
a conflict between my husband and his ex or a conflict between she and I or a conflict about what's going on with the kids. I feel like it's literally the matter of just being quiet and letting everybody calm down because every time that I interject myself unnecessarily, I end up regretting it. Oh, yeah, for sure. So I feel like... Except for the coffee dates. Yeah, but that was necessary. Yeah. I mean, that wasn't unnecessary at all. I mean, it, it was at a point, it was like at a boiling point and... I feel like that's the time to say like, okay, time out and then think about what you're going to say, but don't say it in that moment. Cause that's when I'm like, ugh, I just, I made things worse for myself and for everybody else. Like, just take a step back. It's like with work, you, when you're really upset about something, I think it's very important that you write that email, but you put it in your draft folder, Yeah, don't you know? Send it. And so this is kind of the same, the same type of situation. Like maybe start a journal or whatever. If, if it's something, if you're the type of person that just needs to get it out, find a different outlet than reacting in that moment and feeling like you have to be the person to solve that problem because it's just not worth it. I mean, I do think that Bailey's point of disengaging is is spot on. I mean, especially in high conflict situations. It's funny that you said that, like writing a journal and writing out the email or writing out the text message, all of those things are great ways in work or in home life to try to get those feelings out in a productive way without blowing up an entire situation. And we we named our we named our podcast Step Monster really to try to fight the stigma of stepmoms. And to try to, you know, just be a little bit like kitschy at the fact that, yeah, I mean, a lot of us are called wicked. A lot of us are called evil. A lot of us are called the step monster. And I think some of the reason for that is the opposite of what we just recommended is you you gut react out loud. You don't gut react inside. You don't take the time to reflect and you're you're letting your emotions take control of the situation where in reality you just need to like take a deep breath, write it down if you need to, gut check yourself, make sure that your communication is on point before you react outwardly, especially when there's so many people involved and especially when there's kids involved in that. I mean, your words and your actions can have such a deep impact. So making sure that you're cognizant of how those are coming out, I think can probably prevent some of that stigma in the future. But without getting walked over, I mean, one of the questions was, it was really a statement. She's like, I feel like I have to own the stigma and demonstrate the stigma of being the evil stepmom or the step monster because if I don't, I'm going to get walked all over. And if I don't, I'm going to get thrown to the wolves. And she was like, how do I deal with that? And for me, I'm like, well, there's never really been a time where I felt like it was necessary for me in my life, not even just as a stepmom, for me to have to be mean or vindictive or nasty in order to get what I wanted. There is a super great book. It's really old. It's called uh, The Art of War. And it's all about how to communicate with people and how to essentially manipulate your en- your enemy into getting what you need out of them. And oftentimes that's by befriending them. And oftentimes that's by going to coffee with someone. And there's a reason why the keep your friends close and enemies closer saying exists. And it's for, for that reason. And there's so many like little cliche mottos and mantras that you could throw into the mix there. But I don't know about you too. I don't feel like you have to be nasty and not have boundaries. Like you don't have to have nasty communication with your bio mom or with anyone in order to have boundaries, period. You can do that in a kind, empathetic, productive way. I don't know. Am I on an island there? (laughs) 
<laughs> no, this time I do have a few things to say and, and that I think are important. And one of those is my life as a stepmom, great. I enjoy it. I There's times where it's hard, but that doesn't define me as a person. And when I think about negative comments I could make to anyone that's you know involved in our co-parenting situation, is that who I am? Is that who I want to be? Is that the type of person outside of me as a stepmom, who I am as an individual? And and the answer is always no. I want to be perceived as kind and thoughtful and empathetic. So I don't for myself, and I would not recommend ever having that strategy. I just don't think that that's ever going to be a feel. You're not, you're not going to walk away from that and feel good about it. You're going to, it's not going to make you feel better about yourself. And then, you know, to the point of, the book about, and it kind of reminds me like all's fair and love and war and keep your enemies close. And do I want to dedicate that much time to manipulate a situation that, you know, eh, I don't really have that much control over it anyway. So why don't I just focus on living my life and other things that, that I care about and they can figure it out on the other end. Definitely. What about you, Kelly? There's a saying that I like, and this is maybe a little bit cheesy, but um, what other people think of you is none of your business. And, you know, one of our kids is in like super involved in this sport and being vague on purpose, but um, I've been involved in bringing her to and picking her from and going to competitions for three years. And the other moms still look at me sideways. And I know it's because I'm the stepmom, even though I'm not the stepmom that came into the situation when they were still married, whatever the case may be. And I'm not judging anyone or differentiating myself from anybody. But at first I let it bug me. And now I'm just like, I don't, I don't need people like that in my life. If you're going to prejudge me before you know me, that's your business and it's not mine. And I know I'm a good person and I'm going to continue doing that. And I'm not going to engage with people who are not going to give me a chance. I mean, it's just not worth it. It's totally not worth it. You're you're spot on. And we've talked before about feeling like an outsider. And that was also one of the questions that we got, which I can't remember which episode it was that we talked about that. I think it was the one with Jocelyn Flowers, if anybody wants to go back and listen to that. And it was funny because when I had asked the question to Elise and Jocelyn, they both were like, well, no, I've never felt that way. But they were thinking about it as an outsider in your own home. And what you just described has got to be something that any stepmom has felt. I mean, I've surely felt that doing pickups or drop-offs, feeling like you're getting kind of like the side eye, like, oh, she's the new wife, or that's their <laughs> stepmom, she's not the real mom. And mm-hmm. I had the same reaction as you. I'm like, I have no space in my brain for any fucks about these people that have this kind of stuff to say <laughs> about me. Like, I am fresh out, guys. Like, I I just, I can't let that kind of stuff get to me. It's, it is not worth your time is not worth my time. Like just drop her off, do my duties, not going to try to over socialize and just let it go. Well, Bailey, I think for us and Kelly, I don't know for you, I forget, but there's such an age gap that that's also even like add that on to being the stepmom. If I were to even walk in with my son, people would be like, oh, wow, she's much younger than him. I wonder what that story is. And people come up with weird things in their brain. But definitely as a stepmom, there's been times where I've I've walked into a school event and I'm sure people are like, oh, well, there's the babe or, like, <laughs> you know, whatever. Hey, you know what? Take the trophy wife compliment. <laughs> Take the hot new younger wife compliment and own it, right? <laughs> 
No, I'm getting older now, so the, I'm on the Botox train. <laughs> There's nothing wrong with the little Botox. <laughs> I'm here for it. I'm all about the Botox. Yeah. I'm actually older than the ex-wife. Oh. Uh, my husband and I are one month apart, and wow. she's younger. And his girlfriends, after their divorce and before me, were like... 10 years younger. So yeah. I'm definitely like the older woman. You're the older babe. You're the cute. embracing it. You You're know? the cute. Yeah. <laughs> Even if it's only a month. <laughs> no, he's a month older. Oh, dang it. Just so we got You're this straight. I'm You're not, not the, the cute. cute. <laughs> Although he looks very young. So people probably think I am. He's adorable. <laughs> I love that. Well, I think we've covered the majority of the questions that we got from Instagram. And this episode has been almost an hour long. And I feel like we could Dang. probably talk for an entire other hour if we wanted to. But it was so great having you on. I love any perspective that is not ours because I feel like I've heard myself talk about my situation way too much. <laughs> so it's always nice to hear somebody else's story. And I know our listeners really appreciate you joining us as well. So thank you so much for that. Well, thank you for having me. And I respect both of you very much for what you're doing. Thanks. Thank you. <laughs> Talk soon, everybody. Bye-bye. Bye. -bye. Bye.